Welcome back to Pushing Buttons, a video game podcast where two great buddies discuss everything related to video games. I am and Kyle. Some stuff that's not related to video games, too. And we're also on the Geek Freaks Network. My name's Kevin. Hi, Kevin. It's been <laughs> Hi, a while. Kyle. It's been a month since the last time we've uh, recorded anything. Yeah. Yeah, we had a bit of a extensive break there just to kind of recharge the juices, the batteries, whatever else you want to call it. Spring break, baby. Woo! Spring break month. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we're excited to be back. It's been a pretty hairy couple few weeks there. Yeah, it's getting kind of hairy, my beard. And if you're watching the video version of this, my... uh... It's amazing. It's it's not that amazing yet, but it is getting very full. My mustache is starting to do that thing where it curls up. I know. I'm so I, envious I hate of that. It. I hate it, but it's also awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks fantastic. I, I really <laughs> wish I could do the same, but I can't. I just can't do it. <laughs> well, man, before we jump into the full topic, what, is, what are we talking about today? What is the topic today? Great question. I'm glad you asked. In, you know, in case the viewers didn't read the thumbnail. It's timeless video games. Okay, cool, cool. You know, and some people, they're just so excited for new pushing buttons that they'll just click it and listen. You know, can't hey, blame them. Can't I don't blame, blame them. them at all. I mean, two <laughs> sultry, gorgeous men discussing manly topics like video games. Like, <laughs> you can't go wrong there. <laughs> manly topics like video games and mustaches. <laughs> the two manliest of things that have ever existed. Indeed, yes. Uh, you know, speaking of manly things... You and I had a bit of a manly venture together this past couple of days. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't use the word manly venture like ever in my life, but I, it was an adventure for sure. We went hunting, Kevin. Okay, when you put it like that, it sounds like outdoorsy. Yeah, okay. I see we what you're hunting. getting at. We went yeah. hunting together. We found some big game. Very big games. There we go. We went video game hunting like specifically retro video game hunting. Yes, and it was an it like it was like the start of one of those epic uh teenager movies like where they go on an awesome road trip together. Yeah. And they just uncover all sorts of peril and discovery <laughs> and whimsical nature like crazy people and not so crazy people. I yeah. have no idea what you're talking about anymore. I don't know either. I'm just trying to make something up. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what we were hunting for and why we were hunting for it. Yes, yes. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So for me, I was mainly on the hunt for a GameCube, and I've been wanting one again since I lost mine years and years and years ago. And specifically, I'm looking for the purple one because I want the natural one, like the, the OG one. Because that's what I had. I had the purple one. And I love the novelty of the design of the GameCube. Yeah, for sure. Like, it's such a unique console. It really is. And, you know, along with that, the games on there are really top-notch. Like, just bar none, like, some of the best I've ever seen. And while my GameCube game collection is pretty solid, I didn't really pick up a lot of GameCube games. But I was really astonished at how prices on those in particular have skyrocketed in like the past 10 years because they were really common back then. So you know how I said that uh, DKOldies.com was a good place to go for a lot of that stuff? Yeah, they don't have a single GameCube console in stock on that website. 
I just checked that this morning before this podcast recording. I did too. Yeah. And I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. Sold Wait, out why, of- why did you do it? For you. <laughs> you were going to buy me one, weren't you? I was debating. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was debating it. But <laughs> yeah, I, I looked and they didn't have a single, n- n- not any, none, zero yep. at yep. all. It's insane. Whereas yeah. like the last place we went yesterday had like five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Well, we went to several places, actually. We went yeah. to five different retro game stores. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, yeah. I had a great time. It was it was awesome. What did you end up walking out with? Or do you want to, like, tease people to go to our Discord to look at the pictures? Actually, that's <laughs> actually a great segue. Like, yeah, if you guys want to join the Geek Freaks community, I urge you to do so. Discord Lots of cool guys. Down in the description. Exactly. I was going to do it, but Kevin took the reins from me, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> I do that. I do that sometimes. <laughs> you, got some, you got a couple PS2 games, a couple GameCube games, a couple 64 games. Yeah, I, uh, actually, uh, specifically, uh, the N64 was also what I was hunting for. Right. Because those are going away fast. Like, yeah. I was really, really shocked by how little like store collections were until we went together to these other places and they were like fully fleshed out. Well, a couple of them were. There was the last place that we went to was just, Oh my like God. They pride themselves on having every game. That last was location insane. was incredible. We'll go into more detail in a bit, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I was hunting for my childhood essentially. Um, yeah. If you're looking at the video version, you can see some Sega Genesis stuff behind me. That's what I was hunting for is a bunch of Sega Genesis games. If you want to see exactly what I got, like I said before, check out the Discord. There's a nice picture of it all sprawled out. You can see that I'll, I'll give away the one that's visible in the video. That's Sonic the Hedgehog right there. Complete in box, the NFR version. But yeah, man, that was such a good time, dude. Like so I, I checked off nearly every single one of my like have to haves. Like I've got my my list of Genesis games that I need and then the list of Genesis games that I want. Mm-hmm. There's only one more Genesis game that is on my need list that I do not have. And I think I know what it there. is. Can I yeah. tell you? Yeah. Sonic 3? Yeah. Complete in box. Yeah. Okay. But I, I, Very good. It, it's really hard to find it complete in box with a good condition cartridge. That's, mm. that's what I'm struggling with. And I really want it to be complete in box for that so, one. So, you know how you looked for a GameCube for me? This morning, I actually looked for a copy of Sonic 3 Complete in Box. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> and DK Oldies does have one. I know, but it's like 90 bucks or something it's like that. It's crazy expensive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I didn't buy it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I was considering it because I think they said it's a good condition, but I, I, I haven't bought it yet. I probably have to wait a couple of weeks for my wife to be able to be okay I was with say, me buying it. her surprise you with it. <laughs> she does know go. that that's the one that I want. <laughs> There you go. But That's the way. Man, talking about all these retro games, though, it got us thinking, like, before we left, we discussed what the topic of this episode was going to be, and we want to talk about, like, the most th- timeless games of all time, like, of all time, that's a little redundant, the games that really stand the test of time, and we had, I think our most recent episode was memorable games, there's probably going to be a little bit of crossover. Most replayable games. Most replayable games, yes. right. Okay. Yes. I mean, there's going to be probably some crossover, but... This one will hit a little different. There's a little bit of a criteria difference in that it's less subjective and more objective. 
like better gameplay gameplay that's just it's lasted throughout the years and will continue to last no matter how long or how far into the future we get no i'm glad you brought up gameplay i feel like there's many different ways you can approach this topic like you can go with graphics you can go with gameplay you could go with lasting overall value or basically even like the novelty of it at the time like that staying power i think that's what i'm trying to express but yeah uh, i'm ready to get into this i'm super excited well i'm gonna kick it off with probably the most uh the easiest one that probably anybody that's played a video game knows of Super Mario. And in my opinion, there are four Mario games that will forever be the best four Mario games. Mm-hmm. And that is, do you want to guess what they are? Super Mario Brothers. Yes. I want to say Super Mario Brothers 3. Yes. Super Mario World. Yes. Super Mario 64. Yes, that is the four that I put down on my list. Yes. So the fact that we agreed on that without talking about it, and we have pretty varying degrees of love for those franchises like like Mario. Yeah, it just shows that they are very timeless games. So before you jump into that, I already know that Super Mario 64 is a timeless game. I have never played it before. Right. So I'm really curious to see, like, is it truly a timeless game? Will I still enjoy it? Even though I'm so far away from it, like in years. I think you will because you've never played it. I bought it not, not, okay. So I did buy your copy on the 64 for you, but I bought bought it for myself (laughs) as the, as part of the, uh, the Mario 3D all-stars collection on the switch. Mm -hmm. And I tried playing it and it does hold up, but so much of my nostalgia goggles is what was making it seem so much better than it was. So the game, like the controls are a a bit out of date. There are some things with Mario 64 that are out of date. The graphics for a 3D Mario game are definitely outdated. I imagine so, yes. The the core gameplay and the the gameplay loop and just the the addiction to collecting things that you get in a -a collect-a-thon like Mario. And if you played any, this is, Super Mario 64 is the, the, like the premier 3D platformer from the 64 ps1 era it is mm-hmm. the the one that launched that basically that whole subgenre of platforming games was this one so mario 64 in my opinion stands the test of time and forever will stand the test of time yeah and of course you mario 1 3 and world like i think i consider those timeless in all aspects like with graphics like that that is never gonna lose its appeal Gameplay, perfection. Like, there's nothing else to improve upon that. Like, there's absolutely nothing more that could have been done with that game or any of those games. Mario is the lasting value. Mario is the uh, the de facto leader in platforming. Like, there's there's just no other platformer that will ever have the staying power that a Super Mario game will have. Um, What you talked about graphics for Mario One, Three, and World. Which style of those? Which one of those games has the better graphic style that you are more attracted to? Oh, World, by far. Oh, really? Like, okay. World is, I think, the epitome of everything the Super NES can do. And okay. it just, it's such a well put together package. Like the art style and the art direction and the music are just, yeah. I could talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my favorite thing about Super Mario World, and it, it, they didn't really carry this over into Super Mario Maker. 
or Maker 2, rather. But when you beat a Super Mario World level and that does that, the and then at the end of it goes, yeah, that sound effect, just that is is yeah i i'm sure that frank will probably take out me doing that one of the three times and oh, put no. in the real sound effect but uh, yeah it, actually frank there you go <laughs> the music and the sounds in that game were great i actually prefer the graphic style of super mario 3 oh, okay. myself okay it's a little sure. more refined from the first one but it's not as I don't know, as I don't want to say high definition, I, I guess as high res as a Super Nintendo game, because it was still originally released on the NES. Mm-hmm. So it, it, in my opinion, Mario 3 is the better of them, but they're totally different styles of games, too, which is why I can list them separately on this list and be comfortable with it. It says a lot, too, about Mario games since 64 as well. Because with Sunshine, you had the gimmicky water pack thing, and yeah. that doesn't really hold up as well. And then Galaxy has the Wiimote motion controls, and that didn't really, you know, that didn't matter to me at all. Yeah. And then Odyssey took it to an extreme with the motion controls, so like, to where I didn't even want to replay the game after I first played it. Like, it's yeah. just, it's so annoying to do that over and over. A lot of games like that, I try to go back and get as close to 100%ing as I can without getting tired of the game. Odyssey, I did not do that because I can't handle motion controls. And they kind of limit the motion controls if you're using a Switch Pro controller, which I did play with. But there's okay. still some of it in there, and it's just... Mm. I, I, I hate motion controls in games. It's so gimmicky. I say that all the time, but it's it's just a hassle. It really is. Like... uh even with the latest Zelda game, Breath of the Wild, which is also on my list for timeless games, like the motion controls, I don't care for them. Yeah. Well, shit, let's talk about Zelda then. Well, obviously, so I I've made got... a list of okay. four. Okay, three? I've got three. I've three? got three. All right, you need yeah. three. Okay, I'll name your four then. If Breath of the Wild's on yours, that's the one that's not on mine. Right, right. So Zelda 1, The Legend of Zelda. Oh, okay, you went with that one. Okay, yeah, sure. The very, right. very first one. Okay. Um, Link to the Past mm-hmm. and Ocarina of Time. Yep. Those are my three. And I would put Majora's Mask on there. I know well. you would. Yes. But there's, <laughs> as divisive as it is, I, I don't think that there's enough of a difference to list both Ocarina and Majora. I know. I know. It separately. was a hard decision to include both. So, yeah, I, I don't care for Majora's Mask because I don't like time limits and time constraints, but it is more of that Ocarina of Style or Ocarina of Time style Zelda, which I loved. So I'm not well, going to knock it too hard because it dealt with time as a gameplay mechanic. And I haven't really seen that replicated as well since then. That's why I included it. You, you didn't like 24, the game. <laughs> I mean, I did like it at the time, but yeah. that definitely shows its age now, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, man, finding that yesterday at, those, at some of those stores, that was funny. But also, what made Majora's Mask timeless to me, along with the time mechanic system, was just the overall atmosphere of the game. Like, it was so well done. Like, honestly, it could have been a survival horror game, but that's it how was, dark, very dark game. It was definitely a more dark and macabre 
style, yeah. uh, like approach to a Zelda game that we haven't really seen before or since, because Zelda is usually a very bright game. I just really appreciate it for that. I feel like it took a lot of risks, even though it used a lot of the same template as Ocarina. It did so much more differently, and I really give it a lot of credit for that. Well, what's your favorite of the franchise? I'm just going to ask you flat out. Well, you mentioned Link to the Past, mm-hmm. and I think that's the penultimate top-down version of Zelda. Okay. Link Between Worlds was super freaking close. That was on the 3DS. It was a great game, but Link to the Past just nails it. Like Overall, it's the overall package. Timeless graphics, gameplay, presentation. like It's all there. So you had Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Majora's and- Mask, and Breath of the Wild? Yeah, Ocarina Those of Time, were- of course, is a given. Like yeah. to me, that's always replayable. Yeah. I'll always have the same feelings playing it, even though I've gotten older. Like I, I know I can always replay that and enjoy the hell out of it. Like it's just a, the most replayable game to me, which I also mentioned in the previous episode. Right. Yeah. And like Super Mario Brothers, the first Legend of Zelda was like the template for every game in his genre to come afterward. Like mm-hmm. even in my roguelike genre, the binding of Isaac, one of the biggest roguelikes of all time. One of my favorite games of all time is heavily inspired by the original legend of Zelda game. Just in its top down view, we're going through dungeons and the, the way that the layout of the dungeons are, are inspired heavily from the original legend of Zelda. But like you said, with the link to the past, that game is like the explorate top down exploration game that so many games since have tried to replicate but can't seem to quite get the 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 same feeling from you know totally totally like uh you know a game that came out recently tunic that is really damn close like i really love playing that game and i really need to revisit it soon but i'm like extremely far in elden ring right now i need to finish that first (laughs) but uh yeah link to the past just overall incredible game and I would have the original Zelda on my list, but I've never played it. So that's another one. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, we might have to change that at some point. And then for Breath of the Wild, I feel like what it did for the open world genre is what sets that as a timeless game. Because I feel like it took all of the best parts of open world design and just blended it all together like flawlessly. Like it's, it's really such a great game. The only weakness it has is the dungeons. I feel like, and Majora's Mask 2 for that matter, the dungeons weren't the greatest in both of those games. But just what it did by risk-taking and, you know, putting itself out there as a whole different type of game, like, that's what I appreciate most about them. I don't think Breath of the Wild was necessarily taking risks that they didn't know were going to pay off. Like, if you say the next Zelda game is open world before Mm -hmm. Breath of the Wild came out, any Zelda fan, like the mainstream Zelda fans, are going to clamor for that game. Oh, totally. It, yeah. So I, I don't really give them the same credit for taking risks with that one, because that was more of just like, what do you do with the best, one of the best-selling franchises of all time? You put it in one of the best-selling uh, genres of all time, and <laughs> you've got, you know, a cash printer, essentially, at that point. Yeah, I mean, I would have put the other ones on there, like Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Skyward Sword, but they each have flaws. Like, for me, Wind Waker, it was just too much of a fetch quest, and I've only played the original GameCube one, so I haven't played the HD remake. And same with Twilight Princess. 
Uh, Twilight Princess, I just felt like didn't quite hit the same notes. Ocarina, it was trying to go for the same feeling, but I felt like it was just lacking in all departments. And then Skyward Sword was, a, my opinion, the worst one. That had like too much hand-holding and constant repetitiveness with boss fights, as well as item collecting, and it just felt like it was bloated. Not to mention the motion controls that you love so much. <laughs> the motion controls that I love so much. Nice. Oh, man. I, I can't help but point out the fact that whenever we talk about Zelda, nobody brings up Zelda 2, at least in, in our circle. It, it is a very... It, it's an iconic game in its own right. Like mm. it's, it's just so vastly different from the rest of the Zelda franchise. And honestly, I don't like that game whatsoever. But it did inspire games like Shovel Knight to some extent. And okay. I actually have Shovel Knight on this list. Oh, okay. Because it's nice. not like it's not an old game. I mean, it's like it's, it's old ish by today's standards, but it's not retro like we're talking about. But I, I think it's timeless in the same sense that it took what made some of those amazing games great and didn't super iterate on them. Mm hmm. But just modernized it to where it's playable on more systems. It's got prettier graphics because you can have more colors. And it just, the, the controls are a little more tight than what you could get on, you know, the, the SNES or the Genesis back in the day. Uh, that's why I have Shovel Knight on this list. Because if you ever want that retro feel, Shovel Knight still has that. But it also has the, the modern day conveniences of like modern indie games. So I, okay. I think Shovel Knight okay. will, will sincerely uh, last the test. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say last the test of time. I, I don't know what I was going with there. It'll uh, it'll hold up, though, in years to come, decades to come, for sure. Yeah, I would argue, you know, just to stay in the same field, like any of the following indie games like Celeste, Hollow Knight. Uh, let's see. Maybe. Uh, I, I think that's it. Just those two, really. Those I would put be... Darkest Dungeon on that list, personally. Really? Darkest Dungeon? Out of all the roguelike style games, I think Darkest Dungeon would be the one. I thought you'd pick Binding of Isaac. You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, Binding of Isaac is like the, de it's, I keep saying de facto leader. It's it's the the one that like spawned the the new wave of roguelike games that we've seen since 2013, I think. Mm -hmm. But Darkest Dungeon was its own thing. It was a dungeon crawler with turn-based combat, and it did the turn-based combat in such a way to make it different, but if you're familiar with JRPGs, you get what's going on, but it's presented so vastly different, and it's it's just really its own thing. So no matter where the roguelike genre, the dungeon crawler genre, or even JRPGs go in the future, Darkest Dungeon will still be different enough while still being familiar enough that it'll be forever playable and it's got a lot of random generation stuff to it too so it's all it's already going to be replayable mm. which is now making me think that i should have talked about it on the last episode but i didn't <laughs> <laughs> i talked about binding of isaac instead um yeah I, I i didn't have darkest dungeon on this list at all but i i'm definitely gonna add it to it now man i i have tried so hard to like that game i just don't <laughs> know what it is like i've i think it's just the overall like randomness of it that's really difficult for me to wrap my head around 
but I really need to try it again. Like I really need to just devote myself to this game for like a week. It it's just it, it's a slow burn game, I think. It's a super dark game, which seems up your alley. It's got tactical combat to some extent, which also seems up your alley. I don't know how much randomness is in there besides like quest rewards and the layout of the dungeons there are. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of chance to hit bullshit like in you want to talk chance to hit you're talking Morrowind that was that's why that game doesn't stand the test of time and it's not on my list because that chance to hit thing was so bad oh. there's a bit of that in in Darkest Dungeon that I could see would make it a little tough to get into I think now's a good time to mention uh, Skyrim and GTA 5 will be timeless forever because of how many times it gets re-released yeah I think that's <laughs> that's kind of a forced timeless thing, but it's get that out yeah, of the way. T- timeless nonetheless. Yeah, they're not on my list, but I I debated putting both of them on my list in the same line like you just did back to back for sure. You know, GTA and Elder Scrolls, I think they're so highly regarded, but I don't see them as timeless games. I feel like they're very much a product of their time period, especially the GTA games. Like I don't think they're truly timeless. I feel like they're very much like contained within that time period of when they were released. Yeah. And then re-released and then re-released and and then re-released. Yeah. That's what actually made me think that way was, you know, as amazing as Skyrim is, and I'm sure it is, I've never really given it a real chance. I put like maybe 40 hours into it and I was like, okay, I'm fine with not playing more. That's more than a real chance. Let's be honest. 40 hours is more than enough to know if you're going to like it. Considering how big the game is, like I felt like the gameplay was not very, you know, it didn't make me feel enthusiastic about wanting to play more of the game. Gotcha. And I enjoy Fallout way more, but I don't even consider Fallout a timeless game. But the Bethesda ones. But well, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, you brought up Fallout. I'm going to bring up uh, Knights of the Old Republic. It's kind of not in the same okay. vein, but it's a it's a Western RPG. That's, so that's where my brain went. I actually have Knights of the Old Republic on my list, and I'm going to include all the old school what I'm going to consider old school Bioware games on here. Neverwinter Nights, um, to some extent. All the like the, the games like Icewind Dale and the, the Forgotten Realms games that aren't all even made by Bioware but that style of game that led up to Knights of the Old Republic but if you ask me the the most timeless Star Wars game and probably the most timeless western RPG is going to be Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic that was just such a <laughs> it's like hard to think of the words about that game I, I think it's biggest strength is its story like yeah the gameplay isn't really that you know it's not anything bad but it doesn't really leave a lasting impression i think like you know it's just a tool for you to progress to the story so i actually liked the combat system in that game it's great it's great yeah i i agree with you i i feel like though what really motivated me was the writing and the yeah. story and the dialogue the spoken dialogue like holy crap that was just so trendsetting at the time for, you know, like a Western RPG. Yeah, the fact that it was on the original Xbox and was... I, I just think it was ahead of its time. Like, yeah. if, it, if it came out instead of Mass Effect in 2007... Or 2007? Was that when that came out? Yes. Yeah. If, if, if KOTOR would have come out when Mass Effect came out, KOTOR would have been a completely different game. They were kind of oh, con- yeah. constrained oh, yeah. 
to do the the turn-based combat the way they did uh due to limitations of the hardware and the 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 physical medium being a cd at the time it was just that you couldn't fit as much on there and the fact that they went way overboard with all the side quests and the spoken dialogue even if a lot of the alien dialogues repeated throughout the game oh midopi just like over <laughs> and over again now that might have been from the old republic that omidopi but um bun 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 yeah <laughs> I'll always remember that. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, they, uh, obviously there was a lot of limitations at the time, so they had to repeat a lot of that that uh, alien dialogue and stuff. But it was it was so far ahead of its time. It'll, I'm I'm, I think that's why I'm not looking forward to the remake or remaster, whatever's been announced recently. I'm not looking forward to that as much because the old game still holds up to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want them to try to replace that. I mean, for me, I think how you view Western RPGs, I view immersive sims. I feel like every game that is an immersive sim is truly a timeless game. I'm thinking like System Shock, Deus Ex, Bioshock, Dishonored, Prey, like the new one, the 2017 one. Right. You know, Thief as well. And there's probably a couple more I'm forgetting right now. But... Those games, I think, really stand the test of time because they're so well done with the gameplay. Like, you can truly choose how you want to play in those games. Like, if you have a problem in front of you, you can come up with so many different solutions to solve that problem. And that's what the different gameplay styles, you know, it leads to player exploration and discovery. And just from a gameplay standpoint, I truly see those as timeless classics well from the the ones that you listed which one do you think you would pick over all the rest as being the most timeless the one that would hold up the best man that's a good question if i had to pick one wow uh i would say either deus ex or bioshock okay and the reason why Dishonored's not on there i would have picked that but the story you know, it's okay, but it's not the greatest. And System Shock 2, it's an amazing game, but it's dated. Like, it, you can, when you play, it's dated. And Deus Ex is too, but the way you progress through that game and interact with the world and discover how many solutions you can come up with on your own, like, it truly was like the pinnacle and really like the first of its kind. Deus Ex I- was. Just incredible game. I would have selected Deus Ex from that list as well, because the only thing that doesn't hold up are the graphics. And yeah, yeah, obviously the graphics are a product of the time period, so you can't really hold that against it as far as timelessness goes, in my opinion. So yeah, and that definitely yes, mine. That's why I wanted to pick Dishonored because that game still looks great it's today. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. The art direction of that game is flawless. Like I love playing that game, just to get immersed in that world. Like it's incredibly well made. Um, is you want to talk about games that you can do whatever you want? I have Minecraft on my list. Okay. I, okay. I, nice. I, I genuinely think that Minecraft is—it's got to be one of the most timeless games of all time, just mm. because of how many people still play it to this day. And it's—it's it's like almost like a decade old at this point, isn't it? Or m- maybe 2011, more. Two thousand eleven, I think it came out. 
oh damn so it's over a decade old at this point yep and yep. they're still coming out with new shit for it there's still tons of people playing it there's different ways of playing it it's all about creativity and it's only limit is essentially your creativity as a player or as a creator for like a content creator for it or whatever you're doing but that game it's it's essentially limitless within the world within the confines of the game because mm-hmm. it's just pure creativity i think that is a really strong facet of what composes or comprises a timeless game i think infinitely more more important than graphics or story is gameplay and when i think of gameplay i actually think of chrono trigger okay and the reason why i you know hang on to that one so dearly like it i think that is truly a timeless game like overall just immensely well done oh i agree 100 percent. and you know for me i played it on an emulator but then later on i picked it up again and replayed it on the nintendo ds Okay. And it felt just as good to play the first time as it did the se- or the second time as it did the first time. And its story is really well done too. Like it can, you know, again, like it covers time traveling. Like Majora's Mask and I feel like the characters are really well written even though they're just little sprites on your screen. Like the story was really well done and all the character interactions in your party as well as how they played off of each other with the gameplay, because you can combine their abilities to make new attacks. And it was just really well well put together. So whenever I think of... I didn't own a Super Nintendo as a kid. Um, whenever I think of Super Nintendo, I think the third game I always think about is Chrono Trigger. Mm. When I think about the best JRPGs of all time, the first game I come up with is Chrono Trigger. And I've never completed that game. I also have it or had oh. it. I don't know if I still do <laughs> on the DS. I Good. might still have my DS copy of it. I, I have to go searching. I After retro game hunting yesterday, I have to go through that closet and see what I have. Because I know I have a Nintendo 64 somewhere. I, I'm sure of it with my copy of Majora's Mask. I know I've got my DS. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting way off topic now. <laughs> it's like that momentum builds up and you just can't contain it anymore. Oh, man. There was one time when I, this is, okay, this is off topic now, but when you and I were like DVD collecting back in the mm-hmm. day, like after sure. high school, yep. um, I got to a point where I was making a list of every single DVD I owned. I think at the time it was on IGN's website. You could search a game or a movie on their website and then say, add it to library just as a tracker. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I did I that do. with all, yeah, all of yeah. my games. All of the games that I've rented on Gamefly, I clicked played, and then every game that I owned, I add to library, and then with all my movies, I did the exact same thing. Be crazy if I could find the login to that to see what I lost over the years. Because oh, I, I know I've gone through like just the Xbox 360 alone. I have gone through. Speaking of timeless, the Xbox 360 is probably the most timeless console of all time. If the uh, Xbox Live Arcade was still around, true. But, yeah. I, I probably had traded in, I don't know, damn near 150 Xbox 360 physical games mm-hmm. to the GameStop just over the years because it was my most played console ever. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily yeah. most played. Yeah. Because it came, out at, for me. Yeah, it came yep. out at the time, like during high school or like it was 
for me, it was the biggest after high school and I moved out and lived in the apartment and that was like my only form of entertainment because I couldn't afford cable. I could barely afford internet. <laughs> I had my 360 and I had all the cheap games I could get. And yeah, damn. I wonder how many thousands of dollars those games would be worth now <laughs> if I hadn't traded them in years ago. I know, like, uh, there's definitely, we should, could we could probably do a whole episode based off of what we traded in. I think we should do that one. That sounds like fun. Another topic for another time. That is another topic for another time, as well as going through our current collections and yes. talking about our, like, prides and joys of our current collection. That's down the road, yeah, for yeah. sure. We'll do that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to totally do a 180 on this and talk about some more retro shit. Um, Doom 2. I don't know why I picked Doom 2 over Doom 1. I think it's more of a personal preference thing. Doom was great. Doom 2, I played before I played Doom 1. Um, I've got such good memories of this game, of my dad playing online with his buddy, connecting, you know, 56K modem. We had to buy a second phone line <laughs> so that my dad could play games on the internet with his buddies. But playing Doom 2 and watching him play Doom 2 and just knowing that that franchise essentially spawned the first person shooter like it wasn't the first first person shooter but it was the biggest at the time and it with id software at the helm it just blew the fuck up into what became your halos and your call of duties and all the the modern day first person shooters that they owe everything to doom and doom 2 and wolfenstein 3d i agree and, with that yes and doom, doom 2 is the best of those three early id software games you know, I actually had shooters on my list as well, so I'm glad you mentioned Doom 2. I didn't have that on my list. But, you know, going into shooters, like, that was a huge genre. Like, it still is. It, I mean, it still is, yes. Because of those um, early games, though, yeah. You know, I have listed on here uh, the original Halo. I feel like that's a truly timeless game. Like, you can, anyone can pick that up and play it. I feel like, you know, the vehicles in that game are so easy to drive, and mm -hmm. you, you just really pick up the physics in those vehicles, like as a natural ability, like you just learn how to manipulate the vehicle to the best of your ability. Yeah, for sure. Like flying the ghosts for the first time, like that always feels good. Like even <laughs> years and years later in each Halo game that's come out since then, I feel like the Halo series, you know, in general are timeless games, you know, maybe not for five or infinite, but we'll see <laughs> time will tell. Halo one, like you said, for sure though. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Yeah. And I also had on here uh, Half-Life 2. Okay. I, I would have picked the first one, but that's starting to show its age a lot. Yeah. But Half-Life 2, man. Ooh. Yeah. I think that is going to stand the test of time forever. Like, it, it's such a well-made game. It, it was the game that was good enough to launch a platform. It mm -hmm. launched Steam, essentially, between Counter-Strike and... Uh, Counter-Strike came out earlier, but... um. With with Counter Strike and Half Life Two, and then Portal, like yep, that, that, that was list. that yep. was the beginning of of Steam, and now Steam's the juggernaut that it is, built on the back of essentially on the back of Half Life Two, and that game, I cannot believe how good it looked back then. It still looks good today. Yeah, exactly. It's like it was Crisis before Crisis came out. You know, like yeah. it was it was that game that just. Like it didn't even like boast how at least it, to my memory, for my memory, it didn't boast how good its graphics were. It was more about the physics. That's what mm -hmm. they were. That's what all the marketing was was based on were the physics. But the it had a great story to it. Amazing a, story. Yep. As a first person shooter, 
And for a good FPS does not need a good story, in my opinion. Like Doom, it does yeah. Nobody it cares exist. about the story. Yeah, yeah nobody, nobody cares. Totally. Half Life Two, Half Life, and Half Life Two. That that franchise just had a. a it wasn't like the b- best story ever, but for a first person shooter, holy shit! Like they actually put some effort into it. I mean, it says a lot when your main character, Gordon Freeman, like it's a silent protagonist because you yeah. self insert as him. And then you meet Dog and Alex and Eli, and it's these characters are living, breathing. Barney, char- Barney sorry, I forgot to mention Barney, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, these characters, like they are so well animated, like their facial expressions. Yeah. And you really like sympathize and empathize with them. And the combine, like just how they're designed and how imposing they are. And how they've taken over the planet earth and like the gunplay like the sound design like i still yeah that the pulse rifle the pulse rifle yep yeah that booming sound of that gun shooting like i will never ever forget that sound it's so sick i don't know if there's (laughs) been a, a gun in a game that has had that impact on me like i didn't care for that gun just because it felt a little overpowered and i was always out of ammo pretty quickly Mm. But the, like you said, the sound just made me want to use it because it was it felt like, especially if you're wearing so headphones while playing it. Oh, yeah, amazing. It, amazing. It's got that heavy bass to it that just yep. makes you feel it while you're listening to it. It's so good. I mean, all the guns, aside from the pistol, sound really good. Like the Magnum and the shotgun. Using the crossbow was fun as hell. Yeah. And the gravity gun. Like You that can't talk alone. about Half-Life 2 without talking about the gravity gun. Exactly. Yep. It, yep. it spawned the portal gun like it was it was the basis for the portal gun and then physics based puzzles and like weird first person puzzle games in general were because of the physics engine in Half-Life 2 the source engine that's that's where all of that came from indeed yeah I just overall just impeccable game like there's no faults with it in my opinion well I'm going to bring up a first person shooter again now then I I'm have a couple talk more about, too, but you go ahead. I'll talk about GoldenEye 64. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, okay. It was, I, I think it was the, it was the reason a game like Halo could be as successful as it was. Mm-hmm. It was the first successful FPS on a console. And it showed that FPSs don't have to be played like exclusively with a mouse and keyboard. I still prefer a mouse and keyboard for sure for an FPS, 100%. Of but, course. Obviously, that's not necessary. And GoldenEye not only made couch co-op and couch competitive games fun, but it spawned the the console FPS, and even had like games like Time Splitter at the time that were spinoffs of that. Perfect Dark um, games that were very reminiscent of GoldenEye before you know your Halo, your Medal of Honor, your Call of Duties, Quake, and all of those started coming out. GoldenEye 64 was a leader for the N64 and for, you know, friends hating each other. <laughs> yeah, uh, cheating by looking at your opponent's screen. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great because there's a game called, I think I've talked about it on here before, a game called Screen Cheat, where it's a, it's a competitive FPS where you're playing online, but you have everybody's screen as a split screen on your screen. I hate saying the word screen that many times, but the the people in the game are all invisible. You have to find them by seeing by looking at their screen to see where they're standing to know where. Oh, to shoot. that's weird. 
it's so <laughs> fucking weird but it, nice yeah it, i i it's probably mostly a dead game at this point because it came out i want to say 2018 okay 2019 okay. sure sure but it was just goldeneye exists it didn't exist this game could never have existed because you didn't have that before gold uh, it, it the graphics are even like based off of goldeneye style graphics it's, it's fucking great <laughs> I, you know i was really debating goldeneye i really was and i chose halo instead i feel like goldeneye is starting to show its age like for how good it was at the time i feel like if you play that now it's just not going to hold up and i hear that yeah I, yeah the presentation the graphics in particular are really rough and you know it's got great level design for what it was on n64 yeah I think that's its biggest strength is the, you know, the guns too, like the amount of variety in the weapons you can use. Well, it was also one of the best movie adaptations. And that too. Yes. Like there aren't very many good, like 007 as a franchise is a good game franchise. Even when they take after the movies, we never see that in any other franchise that's adapted either from games to movies or movies to games. Besides, in my opinion, Sonic the Hedgehog has been <laughs> I haven't seen Sonic 2 yet, but I'm looking forward to it because of how much I love the first Sonic movie. But yeah, it's, it's just not heard of, especially back in, you know, the, the mid 90s. Indeed. Like, I didn't see the movie until much later same. after I played the game. And yeah. I was like, wow, this actually is really, really well done. Like the adaptation. In the way that Goldeneye got me to start watching the Bond films, the same way that uh, WCW NWO World Tour got me to start watching pro wrestling, there's mm. a game on the 64 that got me into something. I don't like care for Bond films as much as I care for pro wrestling, but I'd still put it up there. It's definitely on my list. That's a little bit of subjectivity in there. Now, this might be controversial, but I, I put a Call of Duty game as timeless. Modern pick- Warfare 2. Exactly. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you know, I hate to put this on those, but it truly, it truly is a timeless game. I feel like, like there's, you know, Modern Warfare, the first one, Call of Duty Four, but I feel like what Modern Warfare Two did was just overall leagues better than Modern Warfare Four. Or excuse me, shit. Call of Duty Four. <laughs> Call of Duty Four. Modern Warfare. <laughs> Modern Warfare. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the timing of the game. I feel like, I think it was 2009. Sounds about right. This is when we started seeing a huge surge in competitive FPS games. And I would put Counter-Strike on my list, but there's been so many versions. Like, I, I mean, technically it is a timeless game. But I feel like because it's multiplayer only, you know, not everybody has access to that. Right. But with Modern Warfare 2, you do have the campaign, and that's probably one of the most memorable FPS campaigns I've ever played because well, of all the shocking moments in it. The special ops mode was really fun, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we go through like shorter levels and try to complete objectives. Um, that was the Modern Warfare 2 was the first game that I actually actively tried to 100% on my 360. And I was always ever one spec ops mission away from getting the last two achievements I needed and <laughs> passing that controller back and forth. Uh, you, you know, I, that was something that we did back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, at my apartment was that controller would go around and around. And 
But God, nobody, nobody could beat that mission at my apartment. It to this day, I have two missing achievements in Modern Warfare Two because of that one Spec Ops mission. Yep, yep, totally. And you know, we could discuss the multiplayer, but I feel like you know that will fade with time. Yeah. Just I'm trying to take into account like the all aspects of the game, and you know, I think as an FPS, it's come the closest to being as memorable as Halo. Well, on the same note with games that are single player, but also the multiplayer is very important. I put Diablo 2 on my list. I put Diablo 1. Did you? I did. Diablo 1, I tried playing. It doesn't hold up. Really? In my opinion, I would imagine it did. Well, they didn't really have much of a, a skill tree or that you read books to get spells. And it, the game was very, it was, it was very, it needed more TLC, I think. Really? Huh. I it, played Diablo for the first time much later. I think it was like 2012. Really? And I was really blown away by how well it held up. Like I was really invested in the game and it, you know, it's super simple. Like you pick one of three classes and you just have one objective, get to the bottom level of this church. And the way that progresses over time and having to go back to town to upgrade your character, it felt like a very self-contained game that you could really play over and over and over. Well, I guess what I'm getting out of that is I loved Diablo. I played the shit out of it ever since it came out and up until the point where Diablo 2 came out. And even then, a couple of times later, uh, I played the shit out of Diablo. But the fact that the the core essence of Diablo is a mini game within Diablo three, like once every it's like a seasonal event uh, every year. I think around Christmas time mm. they do the they open the church and you have to try to get to the bottom floor. It's it's basically Diablo, and they even have like the walking animations like they did in Diablo during that time. It's it's fucking great. Awesome. There isn't much to Diablo, whereas Diablo two took the core of Diablo. And made it a full-fledged open game. Mm-hmm. It, it it's just leaps and bounds above. And I wouldn't put Diablo three on this list, even though it's more accessible. They trimmed down a lot of the stuff that made Diablo two special, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Diablo two added so 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 goddamn much. Like it had it broke the game down into acts. It had a good and necessary expansion, whereas the expansion to Diablo being Hellfire wasn't even made by Blizzard, it was made by Sierra, which it was like a third-party expansion, which that's not very common, and it led to the cohesion not really being there. Mm-hmm. So you could totally play Diablo without playing Hellfire, but if you're playing Diablo 2, you need Lord of Destruction to get the full game. It had... Uh, the jewelry was more the... All the the different identifiable objects that... It just had so much such a greater variety in what it was doing. And it added the runes and the socketing and all that stuff. The Herodric cube is iconic. Like you need that stuff in Diablo now because of it. Diablo two leaps and bounds above Diablo and will definitely, I would go back and play Diablo two right now. If I wasn't trying to still actively boycott Activision blizzard, whereas Diablo one, I, I, I don't think I'll ever play that again outside of maybe like a throwback Thursday or something. Let's let's go a little more in depth there, because I I do feel like World of Warcraft has been such an influential game in my life. Okay, but I would not put it as a timeless game. Okay, because World of Warcraft Classic came out, and that proved everything right 
that I was thinking at the time was like, why, why is this necessary, first of all? And a lot of the magic that we had when we first played it back in that time period would not be replicated to the current modern day. And I, I felt like I was one of the few that wasn't too excited about it. And I was, you know, kind of glad to be proven right. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, it became such a blitz for the players to like, you know, it took toxicity to a whole new level in that game. And I just feel like World of Warcraft is very much a period, a timepiece, a period piece, I guess you can call it. And I would also argue that StarCraft is a timeless game. I know okay. you have your thoughts against it. No, I just don't like that style of game. That right. doesn't mean it's not timeless. I agree with you completely. I, I think StarCraft is such a well-made RTS. Like It took what Warcraft did well and just magnified it. Like, Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible game. There's a reason that they've only had StarCraft and StarCraft 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's because they didn't need to iterate. I mean, people would yep. people have been clamoring for a new StarCraft since you know StarCraft Two. Essentially, I, I'm not saying there's no market for it. There's absolutely a market for a new StarCraft game, but I feel like you can go back and play StarCraft, the even the original, and still get all the enjoyment that you would need out of it, just without some of the 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 modern day niceties, I guess, of an RTS now. But also I agree. speaking of iterations like uh kind of looping back to nintendo i think smash brothers melee is a timeless game i think yeah as witnessed by the esports events still being held for it like it's insanely uh resisted to the passage of time like it's just overall really well put together and i would argue ultimate is also going to be a timeless game in the future because of how much content there is in that game and the versatile roster, like there's so many different characters you can play as an ultimate now. Like it's it's an amazing game. Like I feel like it will stand the test of time for sure. And if uh, you guys listening to this want to hear more about Smash Bros and other competitive esports games and fighting games, I highly suggest listening to Round Three. It's a new part of the Geek Freaks podcast. Look it up. Uh, fantastic hosts and very informative. And I want to hear Kyle talk about Smash Bros with them sometimes from hearing. Or sometimes to just hear a different perspective on Smash Bros. Because I don't like those that game, but I also agree that there has to be one Smash Bros. game on this list for sure. I would have gone with the original because of how, you know, amazing that was at the time. But it really much is like contained within that time period. That's and, what I feel with Diablo 1 versus yeah, Diablo 2. Sure, sure. And I feel like also with Smash Bros., the presentation, like the graphics are starting to show their age a lot. You know, it's still a great game to play, but I feel like it's definitely lacking in comparison to Ultimate. Like Ultimate's just bar none, an incredibly well-made game. And I, to finish, I'll let you go ahead next. Well, I was going to say, I've got one game. Do you have I got, how many? I got one game, too. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you my last game. Um, I think this is the most timeless game because it's like the best or most selling and most iterated upon game of all time. That being Tetris. Tetris is iconic not just for its simplicity but for its music its uh its design and the amount of iteration that's been done on it and has spawned other games like columns and it kind of started the the match three in in a way like i i think it's the the forefather i i would say to the match three games that are 
so popular nowadays. But Tetris is just the fact that there's a Tetris Battle Royale game that people still play, Tetris 99, is insane. And then comparing that to a game like Tetris Effect, where you can play Tetris in VR with these like beautiful landscapes going on around the game with amazing sound effects. And it's just so much to Tetris that that game will never not be iterated upon that. That's going to be the timeless game in my opinion. Yeah. It's the quintessential puzzle game. Like there's no way it's ever going to get dull to play. Like you could take it any direction. Like as we've seen with all the different spinoffs, like Tetris effect and 99 and countless others. I can't recall. But I'm glad you could recall the ones that I just said. <laughs> yes, I got carried by you. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Pushing uh, your buttons. You, you kind of are, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> All right. Should I get into mine? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> by the way, I love how you went way back to the like near the beginning, and I'm actually coming all the way up to the modern. Nice. It's a. Uh, they're called bookends. We're yep, bookending it, this thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Elden Ring is going to be a timeless game. I'm oh calling shit! It I'm calling it now. Yeah. Why am I not surprised? Why was I surprised? I shouldn't have been. Elden Ring. I'm going to, you know, maybe get into this a little bit more in the next episode because I have to review it still. But I. It leaves me speechless. The I can game, tell. The game is so incredible. I just, I cannot, I still haven't beaten it. I put a hundred hours into it so far and I'm nowhere near close to finishing it. Like it's, it's a masterpiece. Like it sounds horrible. <laughs> I do, it says a lot when I don't want to finish the game because I know like once it's over, that's the new top game for me. And oh, yeah, I'm going to take a long time to think about it. Like how it's impacting my gaming career, so to speak. Like it's it's such a privilege to play it. Like I, I feel beyond honored to play it. I know exactly how you feel because everything that you've said about Elden Ring from before launch up through today is exactly what I've said about Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think I've ever said Mass Effect is my favorite game of all time. But it's got to be up there as like tied for one. Um, it's just it, I don't think Mass Effect is timeless in the same way that Elden Ring is. But I I'm glad to know that there is that game for you. And I hope that you're glad to know that I know how you feel about Elden Ring whenever you talk about it, because it just makes me think of Mass Effect. Yes. Yeah. It It's like it's so hard because all of the Souls games are really fucking good. And I would love to put Dark Souls 1 on there, but we've seen like over time, it just doesn't hold a candle to what we've seen since then in the evolution of the genre. I would have put Bloodborne as a timeless game, but the only version of it we have is PlayStation 4, which runs at 30 FPS. And God, I want a PC version so bad. And if that was fixed, that's a timeless game. Like, no question. Sekiro, amazing game. I really wish I could consider it timeless, but because it's got a story that, you know, I don't feel like it's a good fit for a Souls game, but it's still a, a freaking amazing game. Like, it comes really close. 
but Elden Ring, like, I just feel like with how versatile its gameplay is, like all the different directions you can build your character, all the different places you go, all, I mean, the only knock against it is the enemy variety, but I get it. It's a huge open world game, but I, I really do consider it a timeless, yeah, timeless game. If you want to hear Kyle's full review, stay tuned for next week. We're, it'll be probably right at the beginning of the episode next week, I think is what we're going to do. So, so make sure to stay tuned for that. And that is all I have, Kevin. There's probably more that we couldn't cover because of oh, yeah. the time frame. Yeah, uh, we know that you guys are going to have your own list and we want to hear them. So let us know. All of our social media links are down below in the description. We're on Twitter. Uh, Twitter's the the best way other than our awesome Discord server, which I highly recommend going to the Geek Freaks Discord server and joining us in the conversation there. Um, we're there all the time, even if I'm not online. I'm I'm checking it throughout the day, even at work. And I'm pretty sure Kyle was doing the same. And yeah, we're all, even if we're not active, we're still there. So yeah, chat with us. We want to chat with you guys. And we love talking about timeless games and Hope this podcast is going to be as timeless as some of these games are, but we'll find that out in uh, 20 years from now when we're still going strong. We'll see what happens in life. Indeed. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we'll see you next time. Later. Love you.